0: Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network.
1: Hello. Welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me is Catherine Rubino, my colleague here at Above the Law. How are you?
0: I'm well. How about yourself? Uh, Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, no. um, As our
0: first uh, podcast of 2020.
1: That's true. It is our first 2020 cast. Uh, We capped off 2019, which uh, we, uh, we pretended was the end of the decade, even though technically... Don't be that guy. Yeah, I guess. Don't that, anyway, don't uh, but, be that
0: year zero guy.
1: Yeah, but we we capped it off with a quick recap of the year's top stories. We also have, if you read above the law, you also saw that we put up a attempt at the decades top stories, even mm-hmm. though our traffic numbers kind of
0: no. didn't bear that out. Well, I mean, separate and apart from from what was the most popular, let me let me ask you, what was your favorite ATL story of the decade?
1: It's a fascinating question that I didn't really think of. Sorry, uh, I didn't
0: mean to spring it on you. Just kind of, you know, conversation being what it is.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I <laughs> mean, right. It, it's the problems with a non-scripted discussion. Uh, I feel as though, huh?
0: It doesn't have to necessarily be something you wrote.
1: Oh no, I, I mean, if it's good, then I would assume it wasn't. <laughs> uh, no, um I don't really remember. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed our like. I don't know. What What do you think?
0: Well, I don't know about the decade, I suppose. Uh, it's a long, been a long 10 years.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, especially, I think, in the legal industry. You know, a lot of things have radically changed since 2010.
1: Yeah, that was when we were... 2010, we were just coming to grips with recession. It, like, Because mm-hmm. the recession's a little bit... The legal industry's, as we said on previous podcasts, a little bit of a lagging industry. Sure. So you're dealing with... We, we were just processing kind of everything. Right, right, everything layoffs
0: were still happening, people were out of work, thousands of lawyers were. Mm-hmm. Obviously all those stories I think did, were very important, um, you know, ones that really exposed what was really going on in big law so that people who were on the receiving end of pink slips didn't feel alone, that it was somehow their fault or, you know, a problem with them. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, and probably recency bias, but um, I think that the way Me Too has implicated the legal profession has been mm-hmm. pretty profound. I mean, think about who Judge Kaczynski was in terms of above the oh, law <laughs> in 2010 versus 2020. Um, I think that, that that is a radical difference. You know, he was uh, respected and uh, particularly on the pages of Above the Law, obviously predating our tenure at the blog, um, a very revered figure. Uh, and now whenever I write about him, the headline is disgraced former judge.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there have been several stories that we've done that have had some social significance Mm -hmm. uh and those aren't always the ones that receive the most traffic sure but we get our we get our warm fuzzy feeling when we go to events uh i think ellie went to an event fairly recently where Mm -hmm. he was listening to a panel discussing you know sexual harassment and me too discussion uh, me too issues and the Pa- and the head of the panel, the moderator, that's the word for it. They <laughs> actually yeah. have a title. Yeah, yeah. The moderator made some point about, you know, within the law school setting, we often don't see these problems. And the only outlet that allows us to know this stuff's going on is usually above the law because yeah. they're the only ones who are a place that people feel comfortable set, telling their stories to. And we can't tell all the stories because obviously mm-hmm. there are. We are a small group. We aren't able to investigate independently a bunch of stuff. But if you know there are complaints out there, we can we can bring some attention to the discussions going on, and that's something that's valuable. Uh, And you know, yeah, yeah, maybe not our best traffic, but probably the most important thing. I mean, they don't get
0: bad traffic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, I think people are very interested to see uh, how those issues are playing out in the legal sphere as well.
1: So with all that said, I'll before we get into our main topic of the day, I want to thank our sponsors and point out that today's episode is brought to you by your hamster, who's mad and thinking of moving out on you because you're still at the office slogging through an endless doc review project. Make better decisions, keep your pet, and work smarter with Logical, e-discovery software that gets you started in minutes. Stop spinning your wheels. Create. <laughs> Your free account today at logical.com forward slash ATL. That's logic with a K, C U L L dot com forward slash ATL. It's pretty good. Yeah, and, and it's pretty good. It's pretty and good. you can vouch that in real time. In real
0: time, it took yeah. me
1: maybe ten seconds to come up with something. Once I got the, it was sort of an improv. We, I said,
0: give me an animal. Give me an animal,
1: <laughs> and hamster came up, and yeah. So I'm, I'm in a previous a podcast that you weren't on, there was a discussion of do I have some sort of pun book for animals, and I was like, no, I think it's better that you know it's organic and we come up with this on the fly.
0: Well, you know, you're you did it.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, so with uh, yeah, I, I'll you know and now we reset the clock for me to come up with the next one. So uh what are we what are we talking about today?
0: Well, I mean, we're it's the early days of 2020. I thought we could do a little bit of a retrospective and pour a little out for all the big law firms we lost this decade. Nice. I mean, obviously, you know, law firm dissolutions were not created in the in the tens, right? Uh there were obviously quite a f- there were a few big ticket uh law firms that collapsed before 2010, right? Um, Do Ku- we know any? They collapsed in 2012. Ah, so that, no, that no, does not, I
1: just wanted to. That does
0: not count. Uh, but the Kudair brothers, um, yeah, Thelen, uh, Heller Ehrman, um, there's some, some big, some big firms that collapsed in, in before we actually started 2010. But, In a lot of ways, 2010 was characterized by big law firms collapsing. Most notably, uh, do we know who we're talking about? Yeah,
1: no. uh, So for those of you who are maybe new to the the above-the-law universe, the dumbest repetitive joke that this publication has ever stuck to, and one of those jokes (laughs) that I think uh, we didn't come up with it, it was incredibly dumb, but it became something so dumb that when it was repeated enough, it came back around to being kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if there's a joke that you can, you know... D- Grind into, into the, the, ground the ground enough. Yeah. yeah you know. So
1: uh, Dewey and LaBeouf went out of business, and the decision at ATL Editorial was to begin all stories regarding this collapse at, with the question, using the word Dewey as though it's a question. So you'd say, like do we know how this firm is going to survive bankruptcy or whatever? And so, you know, not it's certainly not as good a pun as that hamster joke, that hamster gold that I just gave you, <laughs> but it's something that we did. And it, at this point, I have a, a bit of warm a bit of reverence for it, yeah. for it yeah. because it, we've done it for so long.
0: Yeah, and and, and Dewey was um, once a quite prominent law firm. Um, it's actually created by a merger of Dewey Ballantyne and the Buff Lamb.
1: Well, right. Well, I would go even further back. The Dewey firm was actually the kind of a, uh, the progeny of Root Clark, which is one of the more famous old school firms, and its name became Dewey because Thomas Dewey, who did not, in fact, defeat Truman, came on as a partner and demanded they name the firm after him, uh, which caused well, some hurt feelings I among those folks, uh, which is why several of them fled to the progeny firms. Uh, And, you know, and that's how some of those folks ended up being Cleary Gottlieb personnel because a lot of the Cleary people had come out of Root Clark. It's a fascinating law firm history discussion, but
0: we'll table that. for another. table that, yeah. But, yeah, so that was a once giant firm that went uh, went bankrupt in 2012. Um, And I think that was a really um, big moment, I think, for the legal industry when all that kind of happened. You, you, you You were... actively practicing sure was uh then and it was absolutely a topic of thought of gossip and and speculation for a lot of years
1: yeah you're talking about one of the one of the mainstays a place that people i knew worked there and at both sides of that merger and mm-hmm. when that merger happened it didn't seem like a logical fit uh, sure. it seemed it's like something down, was it off wasn't. yeah <laughs> it seemed it felt like something was off the whole time and um Spoilers for those who haven't caught up. Something was off the whole time. Uh, the case, the, when I say case, I'm jumping ahead of myself. The fallout of this firm's demise resulted in you know criminal prosecutions, uh, yeah. which uh, of the folks running Dewey, who they were yeah. alleging had uh, kind of yeah. cooked the books.
0: Yeah, uh, the chair, Stephen Davis, executive director, Stephen DeCarmine, chief financial officer, Joel Sanders, and client relations manager, Zachary, Warren were all charged in connection with the collapse. Um, although only Sanders was convicted on felony charges, but he's appealing the conviction. Mm-hmm. So, so I right. don't really have a resolution there. But, True. But that was definitely um, a big one that happened. But it was not the only law firm that collapsed this decade. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you remember Howery?
1: Um. Yeah. <laughs> no, obviously I do. I'm just, I just feel like I'm trying to make this banter make more sense if I don't well, know who these people are. Sure,
0: I mean there were over 700 lawyers, uh, eight and 18 offices, um, uh, worldwide, not just nationwide, um, and actually had recently, you know, a couple of years before acquired a couple of boutiques, um, and it was in total expansion mode, but it missed its budget projections for 2009, and then set off a wave of departures.
1: So this is a good point to raise, and maybe I'll hold off on this point till a couple more of these get discussed. But mm-hmm. I think I think I'm already seeing a theme that should, we will discuss down the road about uh, the wisdom of expansion modes. But uh, yeah, yeah, well, so it's gonna
0: come up again. <laughs> that's why I think uh, well, let's
1: wait till we're done with this trend here.
0: Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's it's pretty much all of them.
1: Yeah, Uh it's fair pretty enough. much all of
0: them. Uh, yeah, there's also also um, Bingham McCutcheon.
1: Well, Bingham's, Bingham's slightly different because they well, – well,
0: Okay, okay. say what you got to say.
1: So wh- one thing that I'd say about the expansion, it will come up again, but a lesson to be learned is that growth and expansion is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, we see – I think it's fair to say that if you are not one of the elite firms right now, there's a good chance that you're going to be squeezed out if you don't find some way to be right. a synergistic – merger with somebody else to move yourself revenue-wise into the big big leagues. The problem with that is there's kind of a – pan. and certainly this was true before the recession. There was some sort of panacea view of these mergers that if we just merge, everything's going to turn out fine. And there was not enough time and attention paid to how you deal with the redundancies that get created, yeah. uh, how you – settle with conflicts that start to come up, how you bring two different cultures who may have different views of how important it is to maintain this client versus that client get get settled. And these sorts of divisions can fail to materialize in a successful firm. This isn't always true, obviously. There are several firms who have undergone successful mergers and are now, you know, yeah. I mean- I
0: would mean, uh, say another par- another big. L.A.
1: Piper seems to be doing well. Sure, right? like sure. This is a. These are there are places that do well with these mm-hmm. mergers, but I, I mean it takes smarts. Well,
0: and, and one of the things that I think is is was behind the Bingham McCutcheon collapse. Um, was they had uh, obviously the merger between Bingham and McCutcheon, uh, but also then in 2009, it uh, merged with McKee Nelson. And I think that part of the the strife was also the compensation models that were involved here. And I think we also played a role in the the Dewey collapse as well, right? Is that certain uh, big ticket get rainmaking partners, were promised these guaranteed numbers and guaranteed compensation, and whether and how the firm was able to pay them, and who they were not going to pay in order to pay these guaranteed monies, um, all caused a tremendous, you know, rift within the firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite little factoid about uh, Bingham is that uh, seven hundred and fifty lawyers all left the same day.
1: Well, so and that's the next trend that I was going to raise, yeah. which. Yeah. What makes Bingham somewhat of a different story as far as you're trying to identify themes of the last decade Mm -hmm. is mergers have issues, right? We just kind of outlined the issues that they might have. What the Bingham discussion introduced was the non-merger merger. merger. Uh, It was a situation where Morgan Lewis looked at the cow and said, maybe I can get the milk for free. Mm -hmm. And instead of taking on Bingham... They just unila—they you know, just on a massive scale carried over laterally most of Bingham, and so these partners and associates moved over laterally, mm-hmm. and that left the husk of Bingham and its liabilities and problems outside of what anything that Morgan Lewis had to take on. Yeah, and that's a—that's something that I think. It, it has not, like, taken over as the preferred way of doing things. But that's a way in which I think a lot of firms are going to consider when they move when they look at firms to raid in the future is maybe instead of merging, I can just steal some folks. And I think we've seen yeah. – maybe not on the scale of what happened with Bingham, but we've seen since then
0: – I mean, that, that's bigger than a lot of firms. <laughs> right.
1: We've seen since then, though, firms that have gone into decline where – Multiple firms are pulling laterals out, but you can point to one that's pulling, you know. Most. <laughs> 30, 35, 40 yeah. percent of the people out.
0: Yeah. Do you remember uh, the, the tale of Dickstein Shapiro?
1: Obviously, but go on.
0: <laughs> well, um, they they had some trouble following the 2008 recession, as lots of firms did. Um, but they held on for a while. And, and the interesting thing about Dickstein is also a lobbying arm. Um, they do more than just or did more than just legal work. They also do lobby, did lobbying. And in 2003, they hired former uh, Speaker of the House Jay Dennis Hastert.
1: Something happened with that guy, didn't it?
0: You know, yeah. Um, yeah. You want to talk a little bit about, about the political scandal? Uh,
1: um, yeah. Um,
0: I mean, he was indicted. Yeah. Is the short story on right. bribery charges.
1: Right. And that bribery is is the uh, statute of limitations level uh, statute of limitations issue of you know covering up the the the, um, the, the, the bad stuff?
0: He he yeah yeah yeah.
1: Uh, so the bribery. I'm I'm intentionally kind of you know bumbling about this because it is uncomfortable. But while he was a wrestling coach, which was his qualifications to be the speaker of the house, uh, while he was a wrestling coach, there are. Some folks who said that uh, he sexually molested them, and he was paying those people, and what he got indicted on was bribery for paying these people not to bring their claims, which were barred, but, you know, sure, the bribery isn't right was the argument
0: so he resigned. He was the head of their of their lobbying wing, and he resigned in two thousand and fifteen when those charges became public uh and then the the firm was already kind of in straits and started searching for merger partners mm-hmm. and you know, as you noted earlier, it becomes a bit of a theme um blank Rome was able to uh get the milk for free or uh in the in the form of more than a hundred lawyers and staff yeah.
1: yeah and so the you've you've got these ordered kind of perfectly actually for a theme. We did not discuss the order, but yeah, you're
0: vaguely roughly yeah. roughly um time-based but you know um and then comes to some of the more recent those were all um if not directly related um time-wise you know a lot of those had their their footings in the recession you know the 2010 you know plus kind of era caused a lot of problems caused people to expand um and they maybe weren't ready for it um but then we have a couple more more modern more recent ones uh sedgwick I believe it was actually in the beginning of 2018 that they announced that they were going to close their doors. But um, for all, uh, pretty much most of 2017, a big story uh, for me and above the law was uh, sort of paying attention to all the ticks of uh, partners that were leaving the firm and taking associates and cases and clients with them during that whole time. And actually, one of the interesting things about Sedgwick is I actually went to a panel discussion several months after they announced that they were closed from their former communications uh, chief uh, and she talked about what happened when the firm collapsed. And I thought that was really interesting. And and one of the things she pointed to was taking too much time to have a good message to the people who were still at the firm. When big rainmakers start to leave um, and, and lots of partners start sending in their departure memos, really one thing that a firm has to do is to know what their message to the people who are still at the firm are and people want to feel secure, want to feel that they're, they're going to have a job if they are one of the ones who stick around. They don't want to be like the sucker, you know, holding the bag and, you know, internally at Sedgwick, it felt like, uh, there wasn't a very clear message. They took too long to come up with a good message. and it was, and that just led to more and more people feeling that their jobs weren't secure and decide and trying to find their own exit route. So that's kind of what happened there.
1: Yeah, the, um, the it, it's reminiscent of uh, pre this decade demise. But when Brobeck went down, there was yeah. the uh, like the court cases that f- spun out of the demise of that firm. There was a discussion about the early adopt, like the court cases even used the language like the early adopters and the late adopters, and mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. partners the partners who left when they saw right. problems before anything else got different. Uh, payouts than the people who waited till the bitter end and just refused to see the problems. Yeah,
0: and um, I think that those lessons are being yeah. are being learned by the profession at large. And and that was one of the one of the problems for Sedgwick is that no one wanted to be left without an escape route. Yeah, and so that's not a firm anymore.
1: Yeah, and you know they that's the thing. Like everybody is a little bit more skittish, which you know there there's pros and cons to that. Obviously, if you're an early adopter, you shouldn't be stuck with the the mistakes of others necessarily. Right. On the other hand, it creates a situation where there's almost like a bank-level panic, one of those 1800s yes. bank panics, yeah, yeah, yeah. where we- if you start seeing rainmakers leave, the rest of the firm, even if the firm is still potentially solvent without them, the rest of the firm might start saying, I don't want to be caught as the late adopter, and a run happens on that firm, Absolutely. which is unfortunate. And,
0: and, that's, and that's what kind of the message hearing from those who were internal to Cedric yeah. at the time. Um, that was very much my takeaway was that there was a run, and no one wanted to be left, um, and the firm management wasn't quick enough to settle those fears and to prevent that run from yeah. happening. And really, that's what did that firm in, at least from their internal perspective. Right. Um, and then uh, in 2019, uh, we, we saw the end of LeClaire Ryan. Yes. That was a, another firm that uh, had done a ton of rapid expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, some folks have complained that there was an, a lot, not a lot of support for some of this expansion. And then, you know, at one point, they were 25 offices across 13 states in D.C. You know, they there were a lot of people in a lot of, Um, Folks, And they tried really hard to keep the firm together for a long time. They started what they branded as Law Firm 2.0, and they had a massive um, deal with an alternative legal service provider, United Lex, in which it was a joint venture where the firm's professional staff were changed, switched over to being ULX employees and leased back to the firm. Um, and, but it wasn't enough really to say, to save the firm. Uh, and it, it was actually in August, uh, August, September of 2019 that it eventually collapsed. Voter yeah. Dissolution was voted upon. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: I can't really say much about, sure, uh, I, sure. I, I will clarify. I can't say much about this particular one because I was tangentially as a consultant, somewhat involved in helping a few of the partners who left. Uh, and so. I, I can't say a lot of what I heard about that while I was working on that. Of but, course. Well, I that, mean, I,
0: I covered this story extensively. But you covered it, so they, <laughs> covered what you the, said is yeah.
1: not incorrect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, again, another one where you see there's a changing direction of the firm. Uh, there's not great communication amongst all of the offices and all of the people. Uh, and it led to a slow... I mean, it was another one where it wasn't just like, one day there's a story, they're, they're gone. It was several months' worth of stories of, these number of par- fifteen partners have left ten you know partners here partners there a slow and steady drip of partners and you know we well, there's a lot of stories at above the law we don't generally cover when the average partner laterals to another big law firm right. that is it, it's unless they, unless it's truly remarkable for some reason that's just not something that we kind of cover in the day to day. I mean it happens.
1: Uh, it happens. Well no I'm saying that it oh. happens with with a great deal of frequency sure. that partners move and unless they're huge rainmakers it's not necessary of national interest. Right. So that's why we don't do it every day, whereas some publications have reporters who are right, able to right. do that. And, that we, and that's great.
0: And I love that they – yeah. it's a great resource for Above the Law as well. Uh, but that, but both with Sedgwick and LeClaire Ryan, um, those are kind of my stories. And what you noticed was not – there was not one story that happened. You started looking and kind of paying attention and saying, wait a second. Yeah. If you add up all the partners that are gone, you're talking about 25. You're talking about 50, you know, and I think that when you start seeing it's kind of the aggregate in those instances. It wasn't where, you know, 100 lawyers left in one day to one firm kind of thing. Uh, But it was kind of over time that you sort of saw it happening. And with both of those, they were a series of articles that happened over the course of some time before they were eventually announced.
1: And I mean, I'll say that that's how I got involved to the extent I did as a consultant was at the point where there were certain – trends developing, that's when I started working with a group of partners and associates, uh, like an internal practice group, who <coughs> said that they felt that it was in the best interest to their clients to move. Uh-huh. And so that's when I started working with them on a profile that would be a better fit. And as far as I can report, that worked out well.
0: So <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think that that's another one of those cases where the bigger trends and in and, and, We talk a lot at Above the Law that oftentimes big law firms are run like fiefdoms, right? That they're kind of little groups of partners or practice areas that... Have their own kind of rules of the road and their own interests at heart, as opposed to you, the overall firm. Particularly when you're talking about a place that's 25 offices, 50 offices, whatever, where you know it's kind of hard to manage all of those, all of those different interests and have a singular culture or a singular goal set of goals, as opposed to you know caring about my clients or my people that work for me, my associates or whatever. And and I think that's what you what you see if you don't have a really good um, strategy and you aren't able to communicate that strategy to all of the stakeholders. however many partners Mm -hmm. you may have that this is this is what's going to happen you know that's one of those you see a a small trickle and that it's a floodgate that opens up
1: yeah yeah no it's very true and it's been it's been an interesting position (laughs) yeah and it's been an interesting position for me to have folks because of what we do reach out to me and ask for advice Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been it's been a situation has allowed me, had me have to firewall myself off of certain things right. and not talk to you about them, but it's been good to help people. So yeah. I'll throw that out there. I just wanted to clarify why I don't have things to say about this story.
0: Well, that's fine. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So those are the really big uh, law firm dissolutions of the 2010s. Um, I guess it, not quite a dissolution, but I know a story you worked on, um, not quite big law. Yeah. But Salino and Barnes.
1: Yes. Well, the, for in everybody,
0: <laughs> everybody
1: who appreciates great jingles uh, knows Salino <laughs> and Barnes, the New York firm that has the the one of, one of the best and catchiest jingles of all time, uh, with a phone number to match 800-888-8888.
0: Uh, yes.
1: Uh, with with that firm, uh, the partners are in a dispute, and it looks like that firm may not survive a- in its current form. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think they're still trying to hash out what uh, what partners are going to get what and what happens when one of the name partners departs, uh, whether or not it keeps going, who gets the phone number, those sorts of questions. The reporting on this is that the partners started having a lot of disputes over how the firm was being run there was a fight over whether or not one of the daughters um, I was gonna
0: say it wasn't a lot more personal like I, <laughs> I,
1: I think I think there was it was a business issue at first and mm-hmm. I think it ma- then manifested one of the daughters of a, of the name partner wanted to work there and that was blocked by the other name partner <laughs> uh because like gee I mean nepotism's not great but I mean come, come on it's <laughs> so <laughs> So that 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 added fuel to it, and that's still ongoing as I fight. And we still see their smiling faces on billboards. You do, you uh, do. Acting like they still are friends, so who knows. So yeah, so that is the year in review, I guess. Do you think or, the, the or the decade in review.
0: Uh, here's a kind of a perspective question. Okay. Um, we'll have 2020 vision. Oh, oh. Get it, get it? Uh, not as good as a pun as Yeah,
1: you as may as not dude. want to get into this business.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, do you think that we're going to see more law firm closures? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah?
1: Yeah, because I feel like right now the trends that are between the haves and have-nots have not dissipated. Mm-hmm. And the AmLaw 150 to 50 basically are in a place where mergers are kind of critical to their ability to keep going uh, and keep competing with the big firms because of that gap. And I feel as though we're going to see more people make risky decisions. We're also going to see a lot of people make smart decisions and become the next crop of elite. But there will be there will be struggles and there will be closures. And I think mm-hmm. it's not unheard of to believe that a recession is oh, right. looming.
0: I mean, that that is like kind of the big question: is is when? Uh, probably not if, but but when uh, the next recession hits? Yeah you know, and what industries are affected first will also probably impact which firms are impacted first. Right.
1: And as we discussed on a recent podcast, the immediate aftermath of a recession will be positive for law firms. They will be able to generate business off of it. But that's why it's a lagging indicator that will eventually dry up as that works through the regular market. And then the law firms start feeling the hit. Sure, And that's what you should be, you know, look forward to in this exciting time where we now have recessions every 10 years. so a thing that we didn't have for like half a century, but now we're back to the late 1800s model of every 10 years having a severe economic collapse. Well, so it that's is fun.
0: the 20s that yeah. can't feel good, right? Here, here if you're worried about a coming recession, being back in the 20s can't feel great.
1: I mean, yeah. Well, although... Maybe we'll know. get to 29
0: and yeah. then we'll consider ourselves lucky, but...
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I think we won't. So... <laughs> With all on, that, that yeah, note, on that optimistic note. Yeah, uh, on that optimistic note. Get
0: ready for the new year.
1: Woo! So with all that said, uh, thank you to all of you for listening. You should be subscribed to the podcast. You should be giving it reviews, stars, uh, write up something about it. It helps us move up that algorithm of your podcast providers so that when people search for law podcasts, we show up. Yay. You should be following us on Twitter. I'm at joseph patrice she's at Catherine one you should be reading above the law obviously you should be you know giving some love to our sponsors from logical you should listen to the jabot which is Catherine's individual podcast which talks about diversity issues in law you should be listening to the offerings of the legal talk network generally they have many different podcasts with a lot of different coverage areas so check that out and with all that said i think we're done i will uh you know, I'll be back next
0: week, I guess. With, maybe with you? Probably. We don't know. <laughs>
1: so that's that for this week. We'll talk to you later. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and
0: Facebook.